The following is a production of DallasCowboys.com and the Dallas Cowboys Football Club. How about them, Cowboys? Yeah! Are you ready for a break? Uh, yes. Are you ready for a break? Absolutely. Ready for a break? Yeah, and um, so much for that. It's time for The Break on DallasCowboys.com. We were on the break! With Ambar Garcia, Brian Broadus, Patrick Walker, and Derek Eagleton. It is Wednesday, October 18th, 2023, season 19, episode number 53. Welcome to the latest edition of The Break, and I have got a really special surprise for you guys out there listening. I actually, when I put together this mashup of of hosts on the different shows, the one thing I wanted to do on, on this show, on Cowboys Break, was I wanted to find the people I thought probably had some of the most diverse opinions of our <laughs> entire staff and put them together and then just like toss the ball up in the air and let y'all go. Just and, let the fire and see. <laughs> and that's exactly what I've done. We've got Danny McCray from Players Lounge. We've got Nick Harris from Talking Cowboys. We've got John Machota also from Talking Cowboys. And it's time to step up. You guys are now in the big leagues. And uh, so we can get this thing rolling. Um, I do want to start first um, with a big picture, a really big picture question question after six weeks six games give me just your biggest storyline you think that's surrounding this team at this point of the season heading into the bye after the what, what McCarthy calls the first trimester let's start with you John probably a, I was gonna say a stale offense but there was a little bit of a heartbeat in Los Angeles so I'll say a somewhat stale offense that's my thing I mean there's been up and downs with the defense um, but it's it's the offense like where yeah obviously it can't be what it is right now when you play the Eagles multiple times and and get to the playoffs, it has to get much better. So can they continue building on where they are right now? Uh, I would think that at the bare minimum, they have to get something going in the run game for that to happen. So that would be my overarching storyline because going into this season, that was going to be the big thing was, you know, no Kellen Moore, Mike McCarthy's calling the plays. How's it going to look? And the way the season started, you were like, well, this complimentary football thing, <laughs> nobody else knows how to do this. It seems like it's pretty easy here. Yeah. Um, but, yeah, it's, it's definitely getting that offense going and how is it going to look. So, For me, it's inconsistency. That's That's been the theme. You never know what team you're going to get every Sunday, each week. It's like a Jekyll and Hyde. And you typically know about halfway through the first quarter. It's like, okay, this is the team that they that, that came with today. Or it's, oh, this is the team they came with today. So um, I, there's got to be a level of consistency, especially with the opponents that you mentioned that they got coming up out of the break. You know, you got Rams, Eagles. You know, it doesn't get easier. And then later in the season, Buffalo, Miami. You have to have consistent team on both sides of the ball uh, to play against those type of opponents. So for me, it's inconsistency. While there is a lot of negative that you can draw out of these first six weeks, though, you're still 4-2. and two, And I think that's probably a best-case scenario considering how they played in some of these games. Yeah, mine is the the lack of what I expected from being from bringing in a Brandon Cooks, having CeeDee Lamb going into this year, hearing what I heard out of training camp, expecting Michael Gallup to then be healthy, saying, all right, we have some explosive players. This, this offense, although we're going to play to, to the strength of our defense, we're still going to be able to take some shots and complete those passes. And we just haven't seen it, right? So when I'm when I'm looking at a guy like Brandon Cooks and you say, okay, take the top off, right? Burnt, bust some hamstrings as he's running down and defenders should be scared of him. I haven't seen that, and that's what I expected. So to your point, yes, this offense and not being able to then stretch the field and and, and put some fear in some defenses is, is kind of that, that thing where I'm like, 
we, we got to see it if we want to be successful uh, this season. You touch on something there, uh, expectations. I'll take you guys back to training camp in Oxnard and what you thought of this team at that time. How much has that changed, good or bad, uh, from where you, what you thought of them going into the season to where they are right now? <laughs> because I, I wasn't at training camp, but I was hearing, man, Brandon Cooks, Fast, looking explosive. I was hearing about the crazy catches that uh, C.D. Lamb was making. I was hearing Michael Gallup is looking a lot healthier than he was last year. So my expectation was, okay, although we're playing <laughs> to that strength of the defense, we're still going to go out here and Dak Prescott is going to look like the Dak Prescott of old because he has the weapons now, which we've been asking for. And then I haven't seen it. So my expectation hasn't been met. But can it still be? Yes, because last game we did see some shots get taken. Michael Gallup dropped, dropped, you know, one or two or whatever. But we're still taking those shots, and I think as the season goes on, if you continue taking those, then you'll you'll catch them. Yeah, I would say if we're just going record wise, they're right where I thought they would be. I, I mean, at that time you're talking training camp. I'm thinking Aaron Rodgers is going to be with the Jets, yeah. and I thought that they would lose the Niners. Now I didn't think it would look that ugly, but I thought that they would probably be around four and two. So that part uh, doesn't surprise me, but. The blowouts they had to start the season, just how, I wouldn't want to say lack of effort, but just how poorly they came out against Arizona, I never would have expected that. Um, and then just the fact of just how they got blown out by the Niners, I never thought that that would happen. I just felt like this team is built to play the Niners tight to where it comes down to like a last possession or two. Let's see who's going to win this game. And for them to, for it to be that one-sided, I never would have expected that with the fact of, I mean, I get that they didn't have overshown. I get that they didn't have digs, but relatively speaking, you look across the rest of the league. I mean, they're relatively healthy going into that game. Finally, had that you know the first team offensive line together. So I didn't expect that part of it. Yeah, I remember telling people back home whenever I was at training camp, I was like, you know, this team's pretty good. Like they they, they it looks like they they can play complementary football on both sides just by the way the offense is being constructed. Uh, you see the big shots that they're able to take with the speed guys like Brandon Cooks, and it wasn't only him. Cavante Turpin was getting super involved in the offense. We saw a glimpse of that in San Francisco, but I expected maybe a bit of, a little bit more of that at this point. Um, and then Jalen Tolbert, I expected him to be a little bit more ingrained in the offense as well. But I, I think you could say that for any of the pass catchers at this point. Uh, as far as defense. The, the defensive side Trayvon Diggs obviously that injury hurts and, and that affects expectations in the secondary but overall I don't feel like my overall expectations declined whenever he was you know uh, put out of the picture um, the pass rush you know it's been up and down at times again it's been like a Jekyll and Hyde it feels like uh, but whenever they're on it's it's one of the best defenses in well, football what about the tight end room yeah because like we talk about it on on, on the players lounge of like okay Dalton Schultz was it? What, should we pay him? Should we not? But quarterbacks, the good ones, they need those outlets, right? Those those guys who are the safety blankets. Romo had it with with Witten. You see uh, Kelsey. You see all these these teams. Goddard with um with Philly. They have those guys, and you expect it with Dalton Schultz leaving us, drafting a guy in the second round in school, and then also having Hendershot and Ferguson saying, okay, Dak Prescott's going to have his guy. Stress the seam. If not, he's still going to have that safety uh, outlet, and we haven't seen it. And to me, I think that is a huge, a huge thing as far as what Dak Prescott has not been able to do uh, in the offense. But as you say that, my thought is, I think, yes, Schoonmaker, Hendershot, I don't think they've played up to par. I don't think they've been where you would have expected them to be. I think Ferguson has been as good as you would want him to be at this point in his career. I think he's given you that. I actually don't know if Dak even uses him as much as he's available to him. I think there are plays when you see Ferguson gets open 
and that goes somewhere else with the ball for whatever reason. Sometimes it's a completion, sometimes it's not. I don't know that I look at Ferguson and say he can't give you the only area where I think Ferguson is not giving you what you had uh, previously is in the red zone. And that's part of the red zone problems. Maybe you're not getting that same level of production from your tight ends in the red zone. But other than that, I think you're getting what you wanted from Ferguson. So, right? so yeah, so my, my thing is I don't think it's I don't think it's the players. I think it's the comfortable comfortable comfortability with the player, right? Got because it. That Schultz is Dak's guy, right? Yeah. So you have to then work to be have that connection with that with that person, right? Witten and Romo had that connection to where Witten could close his. I mean, uh, Romo could close his eyes and he would know exactly where Witten was going to be. Mm-hmm. Or if Witten was going to run the opposite route of what he was supposed to, Romo knew exactly why he was going to run that, and the ball would be there. That is just a connection thing versus the skill of, of of what we have in the tight end room. I just don't think we have that yet, and I think you had that with Dalton Schultz, and it was growing, and you could see that in the number that that was Dak Prescott's guy. Worth the money I, that he paid. No, 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 no. No, 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 no. no I'm, I'm not saying we should have okay, kept right, Dalton right, Schultz. I'm, sure. I'm saying when, when you look at what we're missing on yeah. the offense, then you may be missing then that uh, safety blanket connection that yeah. Dak Prescott says, no matter what, <laughs> no matter what, I'm going to be able to look to this guy or throw the ball up and he's going to figure out, figure out a way to come down and get it on one of those third downs that you need or in the red zone. I think in my opinion, I think Jake Ferguson's right where he needs to be. It, coming into a year where he's the full-time starting tight end, if you had asked me this time last year, hey, one of these tight ends that's in the building right now, he's going to be the comfortable tight end one, I would have lost my mind. I would have been like, there's no way. But Ferguson, he's, he's taking that challenge. Mm-hmm. I think he's right where he needs to be. He's creating that chemistry with Dak. Uh, he texted him before they left Levi Stadium last week and said, I'm with you till the wheels fall off. And that was that was kind of huge towards not only their chemistry, but you know him being able to build that uh, you know on-field dynamic as well. Um, I, I think there's I think there's a lot to be taken away from that. So I like where Ferguson is at, but the rest of the tight ends combined, I think I, I looked it up yesterday, two receptions for four yards. So there's there's got to be there's got to be some sort of added added you know expertise there in that tight end room. Schoonmaker, I think is the guy you look at though. You brought him in as a second round pick, uh, first round pick hasn't done a whole lot either. So there's there's even added pressure onto Schoonmaker for that for that same instance. So. I want to see him get a little bit more ingrained in the offense, get him some red zone opportunities. He's got that big wide frame. I want to see them try to use that in one-on-one situations. I think there's a lot lot of stuff to be played with there. Yeah, it's interesting how Schultz was a fourth-round pick, Ferguson's a fourth-round pick, and Jake's definitely ahead of where Schultz was after, well, going into his second season. So yeah. because We're of that— We were ready to cut him on our show. Well, <laughs> what y'all were talking about. We were ready to cut him after year two. Yeah, yeah. yeah. So th- with that being the same, you know, you kind of compare expectations there a little bit. But really, since Witten, I don't know that they've had that, you know, I guess they did to certain points last year with Schultz, but there really was a little bit of a, some growing pains where it was supposed to be Schultz. And actually, it wasn't supposed to be Schultz. It was supposed to be Jarwin. Mm-hmm. And Jarwin gets yeah. hurt. And then ever since then, they've been trying to find that next guy. And there's just something about tight ends, man. It just, it's so tough to project, like, who's going to be good in terms of where they're drafted at, you know? Uh, you know, like you see a Kyle Pitts go super high, you're thinking, oh, this guy's coming in. He's about to wreck this league right now. And maybe if he's in a different situation, he does. But tight ends are one of those positions that it's like, I guess you just keep taking swings at the bat and hope that you get the right guy. I think Ferguson's the right guy, but to your point, I don't know if maybe he's quite right now where Schultz was when he left. Right. You know? What really hurts here is the fact that you could use a receiving-type tight end that really excels in that part of mm-hmm. his game, but also has a little bit of run block. And John Stevens Jr., I feel like he would have just yeah. been perfect at this moment. <laughs> moment right now but between him and overshone i'll toss that to you guys like both of them during training camp were were guys that really stood out and you could see a role for them developing which do you think was a bigger loss 
for this team. It would have to be Overshown just yeah. because of the injuries that have happened since then in the in the second level, and they were already thin before Overshown even went down and yeah. before Leighton Vanderish went down. I would have to say him just because there's there's probably more of a role for him than John Stevens, but both of them do hurt in their own respective ways. Yeah, I think it's Overshown for me because not only the way he was playing, but there was something about like kind of a swagger he I thought he would have brought with his playmaking ability. That's I wonder a little bit if they lost some of that with Diggs going down too. You know, when mm-hmm. in that Niners game, it's like you watch that Niners game, you're not like, oh, if they have Trayvon Diggs, then then this game's totally different. Not from a playing standpoint, maybe that the game's totally different, but I do think that that was like a, a major blow to this team because he brings something uh, that is a little bit of a swagger, a little bit of an energy that's a little bit different. And then Overshone, I think, would have done the same thing where you just have these ball hawks on different levels making these big time plays. And I, I, I think it's taken them a little bit to get over that. So it would be Overshone for me. Yeah, uh, same here. I think when you see the impact that. Overshawn was having in the in the preseason. You say, okay, if he can translate that then to the regular season, then you have a a very strong uh, linebacking core. And then you look at the teams that have good defenses or great defenses. Those linebackers are flying around. I I, I just remember uh, watching Tampa with uh, with with Devin White, mm-hmm, right, yeah. sideline to sideline. You watching Fred Warner now uh, up there with uh, San Francisco. Like the linebacking position can change the game for you. And when you look at a guy like Overshawn, you're like, oh man, there's there's, there's the ex- Expectation for this guy maybe a little should be a little bit higher than what we thought it uh, should be. Um, so with him going down, I think that was huge, especially with now LVE, and then yeah. now you have Damone Clark as a young guy, and they're kind of kind of taking the reins. It's, it's it's just hard to to make up for a guy like that. Frankly, that was what Overshawn was at Texas was that kind of fly around guy, always around the ball, always making plays. So it wasn't really a shock to me to see it when he got here, but certainly it was a shock to see it happen that soon and him to start flashing that early and flashing as often as he did. So I really think that's a huge loss for them. We're going to take our first break. When we come back, i got a lot of questions for these guys. We're going to roll through some of these, uh, talk about what we think has happened to this team over the first trimester. Uh, We'll do that when we come back. DallasCowboys.com radio. Todd thought it would be secure to jog in the cheetah savannah. Todd believed the big cat repellent he bought online was reliable. And now Todd is trying to be faster than this cheetah that can run 80 miles per hour. But the good news is Todd has AT&T 5G that is fast, reliable, and secure. And he learned the best thing to do is stop running and toss her the backpack with the beef stew. AT&T 5G. Fast, reliable, secure. It's not complicated. 5G requires compatible plan and device. 5G may not be available in your area. See att.com slash 5G for you for details. Cowboys fans, after that move, we've just coined the term Rowdy Replay. Let's roll back the tape. Okay, there's our mascot Rowdy cheering on the boys. And now he's on his phone, on his Bank of America mobile banking app? Staying on top of his finances with his virtual financial assistant, Erica. Bank of America's digital tools are so impressive. Cowboys fans just can't stop banking. Learn more at bankofamerica.com slash can't stop banking. Erica is only available in in the English language. You must download the latest version of the mobile banking app, only available on select mobile devices. Message and data rates may apply. Member FDIC. Welcome back into Dear Doctor, the show where I answer life's questions with an ice-cold can of Dr. Pepper. Sheila, let's hear from our next caller, would you? Dear Doctor, my friend supported me during a tough time, but what's the right gift that says, thanks for being a soldier to cry on? Okay, this one's easy. I say give her a delicious Dr. Pepper. Nothing says, thanks, girl. Better than a -a one-of-a-kind soda. Yes, any Dr. Pepper flavor will do. Now, just a reminder that I don't need to be a real doctor to know that Dr. Pepper... 
is the one you deserve. They say champions are remembered, but legends are never forgotten. United Ag and Turf offers a winning lineup of John Deere equipment built to tackle any challenge on and off the field. Legendary John Deere tractors, combines, residential mowers, commercial mowers, compact construction equipment, gator utility vehicles, and a full line of golf and sports turf equipment. United Ag and Turf, the official Ag and Turf equipment supplier of the Dallas Cowboys. Visit unitedagandturf.com to find a location near you. Hey, it's Kaylee Cuoco for Priceline. Ready to go to your happy place for a happy price? Well, why didn't you say so? Just download the Priceline app right now and save up to 60% on hotels. So whether it's Cousin Kevin's Kazoo concert in Kansas City, go Kevin! Or Becky's Bachelorette Bash in Bermuda. You never have to miss a trip ever again. So download the Priceline app today. Your savings are waiting. Go to your happy place for a happy price. Go to your happy price, Priceline. Back to the break. Welcome back. It is the second segment of The Break Live from the SWBC Mortgage Studios at the Star. We're presented by blockchain.com. All right. I got a list of questions here that we're going to go through uh, that will kind of tell everyone your opinions on what's happened over the first six games of the season. My first question for you guys is I want you to rank these in order of most meaningful win. Uh, New York Giants, New York Jets, New England Patriots, Los Angeles Chargers. Top to bottom, most meaningful win. Chargers first. Um, Looking at the Jets now, I think the Jets was a was a was a good win because uh, their defense is playing really well. Uh, Giants and then Patriots. Uh, I don't know what's going on with the Patriots. Uh, no, you know smoked, what's going on with the Patriots. They by everybody. So <laughs> all of a sudden, those type of those blowouts yeah. don't seem as, as 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 significant as 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 they did at the beginning of the season. So that's what I got. Yeah, I agree with the first two. I got the Patriots just above the Giants only because um, when they played the Patriots, you know they still had. Um, Oh my God, it's blanking me. Uh, Grand Grand Valley State kid, Matthew Judon, mm. and uh, they still had um, uh, Christian Gonzalez, mm-hmm. and so I think that well, was a for, part for, of it. Yeah, for yeah. a little bit, he was yeah, out. Yeah, that's yeah. true. That's true. What do you got? The first or second quarter? It was. It was early. Yeah, it was early. And then just to hand Belichick that worst loss. That's the only reason why. And also, I just don't really think too much of the Giants, so that's why they're just last there. But no, I agree with you on the the Chargers. Um, I. I'm not saying that anybody should do this, but I often go into games going, okay, who's got the better quarterback? And I I thought the Cowboys had a really good chance to win that game, but I did not think that Justin Herbert would play that poorly. Um, and so because of that, I was like, man, that's going to be an impressive win if you can get that, especially coming off the Niners, the Niners loss. So I would have that there. And then also just because looking back on the Jets now, you're like, man, that's yeah. that looks like a pretty good win. I guess that defense is a lot better than a lot of people thought. So, yeah, that's probably I'd have to take the Chargers uh, win first as well to the same points as you guys made, you know, being able to bounce back off the Niners loss and going into the bye week, all those things. Um, for me, number two is the Patriots win because of the Trayvon Diggs injury and uh, them being able to bounce back and show that the defense still can perform to a high level. And Deron Bland still can fill in, you know, for, for injured guys and play well. And those two interceptions were huge. And I think that gave confidence to that entire defensive unit even if they kind of lost a little bit up the next week but um <laughs> third uh third out of the jets and then fourth giants i, I just because uh, i want to just push back a little bit with this patriots thing mm-hmm. did they so we gave bill belichick his worst loss 
then. Yep. And, and what happened the next week? Stinker. <laughs> 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 somebody, gave, somebody gave him an even what? worse loss, right? I think it was worse. I know it was close. I think it was the worst than McCarthy. Okay. Yeah. And I'm like, Wait, so no, I'm the Patriots. No, so Patriots. The, second, the Patriots. The next week, after oh, the next oh, week, oh, the they Patriots. went and got yeah, smoked yeah, yeah, yeah. again. Yeah, they did. And yeah, then yeah. I'm back looking at it and I'm saying, okay, as, as it's happening, For we're sure. like, oh, this yeah. is impressive. And then the yeah. next week, they go get smoked. And I'm like, oh, wait. Yeah, maybe, <laughs> wait. <laughs> maybe it wasn't the Cowboys. <laughs> I wanted to have some positive uh, like, <laughs> take back from this. And no, nah, they went and got smoked again. Same thing with the yeah. Giants. They went, yeah. you know, you, they playoff team last year. Then you go into the first game, you're like, okay, we just beat a playoff team like that. And they went and got 40 put on them again like a couple weeks later. And you're like, yeah. No, they're they're what, does yeah. <laughs> what yeah. does this mean about us, right? What does this mean about us? So, yeah, I don't know. Patriots, they, goodness, they're, right. they're struggling. <laughs> Next question. Which problem area do you think is most urgently in need of being fixed? The red zone offense, penalties. Right now they are 31st in the NFL in penalties per game and, or the offensive line. I'll start here and say penalties just because it seems like every time I was looking up on Sunday night, yellow flags just all over the place. Um, there's got to be some sort of discipline emphasis going into this bye week. I, they've been talking about it since the Arizona game. Mike McCarthy has. He said one of the blinking lights is the team penalties, and we got to clean those up. And even in some of the wins, like the penalties have really put them behind in some certain areas. Uh, it, it almost cost them the game on uh, on, on Monday night. So it, for me, it's got to be penalties, but I understand the case for either or, either of the other two. Yeah, penalties for me, just because I don't even think it's just a this year thing. It's been the last few years. I mean, that was a huge issue in that loss to the Niners at AT&T Stadium. Remember when the fans were throwing stuff? I mean, there obviously there was some you know issues there. I just maybe I'm biased because of since I've covered the team, I've only covered two head coaches. It's Jason Garrett and Mike McCarthy. And they're definitely on those Mondays after games when we go do the walkout with Jason Garrett. There was plenty of like complaints and stuff about the penalties and things like that. I just don't remember as many times where Wisconsin's like, whoa, double-digit penalties here, you know, and especially the, the pre-snap stuff. I mean, and I know that that bothers Mike McCarthy the most. It's the lining up offsides, false starts, and things like that. So that, for me, is, is clearly number one because, I mean— I think if the offense stays healthy, I do think that the red zone will figure itself out. The longer these guys play together, if you can keep that offensive line healthy, I do think that it will figure itself out. The penalty thing, though, I can't sit here and say today that I think it's going to be any better five weeks from now. Yeah, I, I'm going – I would say offense um, because we, we did expect – I did expect more. But then if you're going to play this type of offense where it's conservative and you're playing in the hand, to the hands of your defense, then you can't afford to be behind the sticks. Mm -hmm. <laughs> you yeah. can't afford to then extend drops on defense as well because that is not what you're playing to. So I think it's more important and more impactful for you to take care of what you're doing in the penalty <laughs> with your penalty numbers because third and 15, first and 15 – or you make a big play and all of a sudden you get a holding call that sets you back when you're not that explosive on offense you you need to make sure that you have that cleaned up so you know because i don't know how much faith we have in in converting a third and 15 yeah and it'd be <laughs> different if like some of these penalties were not you know uh, or if they were you know part of the game you know right. physical uh, pass interferences those happens to every team like i'm I, I wouldn't be worried about that if it happened once or twice a game but it's the lining up offsides it's the 12 men on the field having to burn a timeout so you can get the right guys on the field it's uh it's not it's lining up on the line of scrimmage when you shouldn't be it's just it's the little things and that's just discipline at the end of the 
day, then that, that's something they got to work I on. I remember Kelvin Joseph did that, and, and we were like, <laughs> oh, goodness gracious, Kelvin Joseph, of course, right? <laughs> yeah, because he, right. he'll get a penalty on defense, penalty on special teams. We thought it was over. And I was like, wait, hold on, wait, not curse. Yeah. <laughs> exact same side of the field, yeah. playing man-to-man coverage lined up offside. So I think it's a it's a attention to detail thing and also then a lack of focus. But th- that is something I think you can get fixed, especially from yeah. a veteran guy. So hopefully you won't see any more of those. Uh, but if you do, yeah, I know. It's, a, it's just like like you said, it's not just this year. This has been a, a couple-year thing of, of dealing with penalties with Mike McCarthy. Yeah, 14 for fourteen penalties, 89 yards in that. I just looked it up for that Niners game two yeah. years ago in the play. That was such a huge part of that game. Uh, and that's when I really kind of was like, mm, maybe this is just the style that they want to play. There's always I've always had that belief with like the Seattle you know, back end of the defense. Like, hey, we're going to be physical. But I bet you don't call all these. I bet you don't throw all these flags, and a lot of yeah. times they don't. And to be honest with you, I think the Niners kind of play that way a little bit too, where they, where they get real grabby on the back end, and they're just like, well, they're not going to throw a flag in all this. That's one style. The other is all the pre-snap stuff. Well, you can't have that, right. you know. So, yeah. Yeah, I'm, all, I'm actually kind of surprised that none of you guys uh, took the red zone offense just because it goes back to what you were arguing, Danny. When you're going to play this style of, of game where – you're going to say we're going to be a little – we're not going to be as explosive offensively. We're going to play into the hands of our defense and special teams, going to get short fields, give our offense opportunity to get scores. To me, it becomes even more important that when you get in red zone, especially when you get in goal-to-go situations, you got to score. You got to score touchdowns. You can't settle for field goals. And to me, I think that's a bigger problem when you start thinking about it because how many games this year – would the Cowboys have scored even more points than what they scored if the offense just could have taken advantage of the opportunities that were there before them? I think that really is the biggest issue. I'm the fool here because I love Dan Quinn so much <laughs> that I'm like, even when we get into, like when the red zone problems were there and they were kicking field goals, I was saying, hey, man, in every drive with a kick and your team, if your defense plays how we expect them to play, has a shot in any game, right? So if you get down there, instead of going forward on fourth and, fourth and whatever, if you kick a field goal and leave with three, I still think that you got a shot uh, at winning the game. So I was okay with the field goals and not scoring the touchdowns. It, when right. I thought when I thought that our defense was always going to be able and to build us out. And that's my question. Like, do you guys still think that this defense is as special as we may have thought it was earlier in the season? I know after week two, I was saying, hey, that we might be watching their ascension to being the best defense in the league and maybe one of those defenses that you talk about years down the road. I don't know that I believe that anymore. What do you guys fall with this defense? Yeah, definitely not. It's not a, the the Legion of uh, Doom or or the '85 Bears that they were trying. We were all trying to to compare them to after week two. It's not that for sure. My my expectations have changed, but um, I think a little bit goes into the complimentary football that the offense has been giving them. I mean, in that first half against the Niners, my goodness, like they were. <laughs> yeah. I, I can't I can't fault them for any of their faults that they had. Even when they were backed up into the red zone off that Tony Pollard fumble, yeah. Jordan Lewis was able to force the McCaffrey fumble and. And get get give the offense another opportunity and another three and out. Yeah. So um, there just needs to be a little bit better complimentary football from the offensive side. But that doesn't mean the defense is perfect. I, their their run defense has has been uh, up and down. Um, that they were able to limit Eckler. They were largely able to limit McCaffrey until you know later in the game Jordan Mason came in and got some extra run. Um, and then in the Cardinals game that kind of speaks for itself. But if if they can just have consistency in that run game, I think they'll be fine. I think they can still be a top five defense in this league. I'm confident in that. Um, they just need to. Find a little bit of consistency. Yeah, I, I worry about us playing the upper echelon teams. Um, as we said, the teams that they played at the beginning when we thought that they were going to be this this generational defense, and then we figure out that those teams are also playing that way against other teams is where I'm like, okay, well the confidence went down. Then then you lose Trayvon Diggs, and you're like, 
Okay, all right, we'll we'll see. We'll see, but that is a huge loss because we know at any given time Trayvon Diggs can then get an interception or take that interception back for seven, right? He's yeah. a entire like he could change the entire game. So I don't feel as confident playing against a team like Detroit. <laughs> like there I say, like, oh wait, we talking about the Detroit Lions. Yeah. Like when you get to playing those teams, the Eagles, maybe the Rams, I don't feel as comfortable as I felt before because I was like, we can shut anybody out after the first two games. Like we can hold them to zero and I don't feel as as confident in them. But the thing the great thing about that is we won't be playing the 49ers <laughs> again until possibly the playoffs. And I think that is a that's an offense that just gives you problems, especially when you have young guys out there uh playing and they have to figure out how to read pulling tackles and then not see the go sweep coming across. I think that was that was played a lot into why they were able to make some of the plays that they did. I'll tell you this. Every time I watch the Miami Dolphins, I just dread Christmas <laughs> Eve. I just man, that's gonna be that's gonna be tough because this this defense it struggles with speed. That they've proven it so far this season, and that is probably the fastest team in yeah. football history. And not only that, you think about what they've done over the first this defense has been solid in a lot of areas. One area I think that doesn't get talked about a lot is they lose receivers downfield mm-hmm. regularly. Yeah. Every game it tends to happen at least once or twice. This last game, they didn't get burned by, but Keenan Allen had two plays where he beat them downfield. Should have been a touchdown on at least one of them, them in my opinion. Um, and when you start playing teams that are – by the way, you think about the quarterbacks and the, the, the wide receiver tandems that you've played so far – they're nothing compared to what right. you're going to face as the season goes on, right? With the Eagles, with the with the Bills, with the Chargers. Like, there's going to be some some teams that have real quarterback, wide receiver duos uh, that that can that are extremely dangerous. If the Cowboys don't get that part fixed on the back end, that's going to be a problem, and yeah. that will be expose this defense, I think, in a way that they haven't really been exposed to this point. Yeah, listen, Keenan Allen and and, and Justin Herbert before they got to uh, to that game on Monday. Unreal, and I don't even watch the Chargers like that, but I do have Keenan Allen on my fantasy football team, so I know I you've know been scoring. <laughs> you've been scoring. I know he's having a hell of a season. And if Justin Herbert does hit that, the one it was a uh, a double move on yeah, Jerome Bland, yep. he fell down. So, yep. that was and if so you rough. hit that, if you hit yep. that, then the game is is different, right? So yeah, you are going to play against some teams where they yeah, hit they're, they're, they're here. They, they're going to hit. They're not hit. missing that one. Yeah, Justin right. Herbert had a very bad day. That was probably an anomaly, and thankfully he had it against us because it helped us going to the bye week with the win. But yeah, Yes, you are. Yeah, you we saw that. with Kittle. Kittle got open on that on that one play where it's like, who was supposed to be covering? Everybody was in man coverage, yeah. but it looked like he was in zone. And it's just, it was just those situations where they lose receivers in the back end of the defense, and then those things can turn to really big plays when you're playing really competent offenses. And I don't think you can be a generational defense if, to have that game against Arizona. Not in week three. You don't need wake-up calls in week three if you're a generational yeah. defense. Like everybody says, defense travels. I mean, you can have a bad game, but it can't It can't look like that. Not. Yeah. I'm sorry, not against Joshua Dobbs and, and, and that crew. And, and, I mean, no disrespect to them, but, I mean, look what they've done since then. Yeah. That, that can't happen. Not if you're going to be on that, you know, like the Ravens, uh, Bucks, uh, those great, you know, Seahawks defenses. Yeah. And I wonder how much of it is initiated in the secondary and the back end by maybe them expecting the pass rush to get home uh, a little bit quicker on other times because you look at the games that they've won it's the pass rush that that's kind of started the 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 momentum there and then the secondary is able to play more physical they're able to come up and you know lose some guys downfield as a result uh but Justin Herbert yeah he had a bad game on Monday night but how much was it attributed to that pass rush getting home I think they had 17 pressures in total and when they have more than 15 pressures since Dan Quinn's been here they're 17 and two so um it, it whenever whenever they get home it allows that second 
secondary to be a little bit more physical, a little bit more aggressive, but it's going to burn them. And it burned them against Arizona in that Marco Wilson 69-yard reception, and it's going to burn them again. It's just it's kind of a nature of just having that type of defense. But you look at the Niners, they play the exact same way. They have an aggressive pass rush, and their secondary plays aggressive too. They don't give up those big plays. So there's got to be something on the back end that gets fixed. Yeah, yeah I'm glad you brought up that Wilson play, though, because that was a big backbreaker when the defense was really starting to get momentum and yeah. playing well. They overcame what they did in the first half, and then you have that, and you're just like... <laughs> I think it was third down, too. Yeah, it's like, all right, <laughs> and we're going to turn this in. <laughs> and then, uh, the other thing is, too, is that I always complain about this. Like, It's it's just tough to see some of this stuff when you're watching it like, on TV. But like when you're up in the press box and you're just seeing, <laughs> you just see some of the stuff before it happened, just like, oh gosh, why is that guy <laughs> right. not have anybody within 25 yards of him? Does anybody else see that? Anybody else right. see that? And then he throws, and you're just like, oh, that's not going to be great for them there. So, yeah, yeah. That, just the, because the defense overcame things, but then still had that, that's another reason why I just, it's hard for me to say. I will say, though, I, I, I thought that going into the season, now going into next season with what I think they'll be able to keep, you get overshown back and digs. I do think it does have the pieces there in spots to be one of those type defenses. I just don't think it's there yet. All right, we're going to take our final break. We will come back. The next question I will have for these guys will be what has been the most imp- or what will be the most impactful injury as we go down this, the the rest of the season between Leighton Van Der Esch and Trayvon Diggs. We'll be back. DallasCowboys.com radio. Todd thought it would be secure to jog in the cheetah savannah. Todd believed the big cat repellent he bought online was reliable. And now Todd is trying to be faster than this cheetah that can run 80 miles per hour. But the good news is Todd has AT&T 5G that is fast, reliable, and secure. And he learned the best thing to do is stop running and toss her the backpack with the beef stew. AT&T 5G. Fast, reliable, secure. It's not complicated. 5G requires compatible plan and device. 5G may not be available in your area. See att.com slash 5G for you for details. Don't put off getting your oil changed, Dallas. Take 5 Oil Change. A proud partner of the Cowboys is faster than you think. There's no appointment needed and no waiting room. Yep, you heard that correctly. Take 5 is so fast, you don't even have to get out of your car. You can take advantage of Take 5's fast, friendly, and simple service at any of their locations across the Dallas area. And remember, at Take 5, you stay in your car because they're faster than you think. Take 5, the official oil change of the Dallas Cowboys. It's the official men's skincare brand of the Dallas Cowboys, Jack Black. And right now, Cowboys fans can get 15% off their $75 order. Plus, because every deal needs a playmaker, your order will include a free five-piece skincare set and free shipping. The Jack Black Playmaker is four of Jack's favorites and a full-sized intense therapy lip balm. Make a play for the playmaker at getjackblack.com cowboys with the code cowboy VIP. That's getjackblack.com slash cowboys with the code cowboys VIP. They say champions are remembered, but legends are never forgotten. United Ag and Turf offers a winning lineup of John Deere equipment built to tackle any challenge on and off the field. Legendary John Deere tractors, combines, residential mowers, commercial mowers, compact construction equipment, gator utility vehicles, and a full line of golf and sports turf equipment. United Ag and Turf, the official Ag and Turf equipment supplier of the Dallas Cowboys. Visit unitedagandturf.com to find a location near you. It's only a kick. A jump. A block. It's only a serve. It's only a tackle. A run. It's only for the fans. After all, it's only pressure. You got this. Adidas. Back to the break. 
Rally Days presented by SeatGeek give NFL fans an experience of a lifetime the day prior to Dallas Cowboys home games. On October 28th, enjoy activities at Miller Lighthouse, get a behind-the-scenes tour of AT&T Stadium, and more. Visit attstadium.com slash rallydays for more information and to get your tickets today. Welcome back. We are in the final segment of the break. We are live from the SWBC Mortgage Studios at the Star. Got my special guest here today, Danny McCray, Nick Harris. John Mishota, and uh, we'll be, they'll be with us today and then again on Monday. We're not going to have shows on Thursday and Friday this week. I know the fans are going to hit me up about that, but I think it's important to give our guys a little time to kind of regroup and uh, and get their lives together. What are you doing? Me? Yeah. I'm going to sit on my couch. There we go. And do absolutely You're not going back nothing. to New York? No. <laughs> I had fun last week. I had fun last week. My daughter's in college there, so I went to go see her for parents' weekend. I've been traveling between games and, and going to see her. Like, I've been traveling a lot lately. I'm very happy to go <laughs> sit somewhere and just sit. Um, okay, so here we go. Next question I have for you guys. Uh, what do you think is a more impactful injury? And, and you can talk about it to this point, but also projecting down the line based on what you've seen between Leighton Van Der Esch and Trayvon Diggs. Not necessarily the best player between the two, but which one is going to be more impactful as far as their their loss to the team? Oh, LVE to me. Um, I think when you look back at this team over the last two years, the thing that you try to fix on defense has been the run game. Uh, you go out and draft Mozzie Smith in the first round because you're like, hey, in order for us to compete and make it deeper in the playoffs and we play against these physical teams, Philly and uh, and, and the 49ers, we need to be able to stop the run. Well, Leighton Vanderus is a huge piece of you stopping the run. Um and your inability to do that, if that's uh, what the effect of not having LVE is, then that's huge for you because you on defense you feel like that is what stopped you from being better and moving further in the playoffs. So I think it's LVE. Yeah, I think it's LVE too, and it's just because of the – I mean, you go back to the way the team looked going into training camp, and at that time you were like, man, it looks kind of thin at linebacker. It looks kind of thin at linebacker. And then overshown, kept improving, and you're like, okay, they, you know, they got some depth here. They're going to be okay. Then you lose him, and you're just like, ooh, it looks pretty thin again. Now I will say – uh, Marquise Bell has mm-hmm. has definitely exceeded my expectations, um, but I just still think that there is better depth with and 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 it kind of factors in just the way Jerron Bland's played. Like he's just picked up right where he mm-hmm. left off, and um, he continues to exceed my expectations as well. So because of that, I still think they can get the takeaways that they've been able to do so well the last couple of years. Which I never thought I would say that if you told me mm-hmm. that Diggs is gone and you know after a couple of games into the season. But they do have enough of those playmakers on the back end. But I I still have concerns about linebacker. Yeah, I'm there too with Leighton being the more impactful injury. I love what Marquise Belt did against the Chargers. Like, do not get me wrong. I think he he could make an argument he was the best player for the Cowboys on Monday night. You know, he was filling running lanes. He was stepping back into coverage. He was reading things pre-snap. He was doing everything you wanted him to do. But it's hard to expect that from him every single game out, especially whenever the speed ramps up when you play teams like Buffalo, Miami, Philadelphia, and when the scheme kind of ramps up with teams like Miami and Detroit and things like that. So um, I, I kind of worry about Marquise Belt long term. Uh, going into the season at, at that linebacker position and, and again he's undersized and you know that's that's going to be tough whenever you're going up against those really physical runners that will probably plow through bell a couple times yeah. and he, he's going to get his bell wrong uh but i, I think um i, I think that's got to be the more impactful injury and also again factoring in what deron bland has done so far I, he's been he's been incredible I, I think they got a young star there it's crazy to think that easily the third best cornerback on this team is leading the nfl in interceptions <laughs> since the start of last season so um no i, I really like what deron bland's done i, I do have I hate to imagine Deron Bland at slot and Trayvon Diggs still outside. I know. Like, right? 
Just Gosh. just what you with Stefan, like the the dreams that you have about mm-hmm. like the turnover ability and ability to lock players down with having all three of those on the field. I'm sure they'll be dreaming about it going into next year, but yeah. like we I just we're missing a lot with yeah. I'll, I'll tell you this. This is something I've been kind of thinking about over the course of the last couple of weeks as De'Ron Bland has just ramped up and looked really good. Does he play so well this season that you let Gilmore walk after a year and just put him on the boundary? Or would you rather have Bland in the slot and bring back Gilmore and have all three of them together? Well, you know, it brings up an interesting question because I know on our show we, we were talking yesterday about Gilmore and, uh, and Brian was making the point that he's starting to see some things that suggest to him that Gilmore may have some challenges as, as the season wears on. That being said, I, I think then your your question becomes even more apparent if not only is Bland playing much better or playing showing you that he can play on the outside uh, in, a, in a real great way for this team, in addition to that, maybe Gilmore isn't as great as maybe you wanted him to be or thought he should be. How does that affect him? I'm not, I, I got to see Gilmore because I, I see those same things, but it's Gilmore, right? Yeah. I have to see him then play for the rest of the season before I can say, all right, I'm not sure because him losing a step is still probably going to be better than whoever you bring in here, especially if it's a young guy. If we can get Gilmore playing how he's playing now, right, where it's not they're not attacking him, he still can go out there and turn the ball over, and you can get Deron Bland inside because do you remember so Orlando Scandrick was here how many they fought tooth and nail to make sure that he stayed here because the importance of having somebody who can really play that nickel position is huge for your defense it allows you to do so many things so if you can get a guy like Deron Bland and still have Gilmore I think I think you try to do that but that all is if Gilmore continues to play any serviceable right if you get out there and for the next six weeks of the season you're like oh man we we're in trouble and yeah De'Ron Bland probably is going outside. Yeah, when you play those teams that we were talking about earlier that have those real speed guys out at, at, at wide receiver, that's when it gets real challenging because I think even when you had Diggs, my concern was when you play faster receivers, is Gilmore going to be able to keep up? If you're taking fast receivers and sending them cross field, is he going to be able to carry that guy? And I, I don't know what the answer is to that. I'm seeing things that suggest that maybe that's going to be a challenge for him. I, I think the one thing you can look at from Gilmore so far that will give you a little bit of positivity is the fact that he's not giving up anything downfield. Mm-hmm. Most of the th- most of the stuff that he's giving up and the routes that he's being beat on are comebacks or it's like quick ends across yeah. the middle of the field. It's the action in front of him. So if, if, as long as he can stay there, I'm cool. But it, once he starts giving up things downfield, I think that's when you have that conversation. I mean, I'm not saying it, it was his fault on it, but I'm pretty sure he was the one on Garrett Wilson when he busted that big one across when he came across the mm-hmm. field and, and busted yeah. that big touchdown. So I think that if he was on a different team, I'd probably have a little bit more concern, but just because for me, this thing starts with a pass rush. Yeah. And if it's there, then he should be fine back there. Um, but yeah, no, it's just funny thinking past, past this season because they're going to have some tough decisions to make at several places. Yeah, I, I'm going to give Gilmore just a little positive. Those deep over routes, which I, I wish that we would see Brandon Cooks running a little no bit. No doubt. Yeah. 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 It's not many guys, depending on who the receiver is, who's going to be able to run all the way to the opposite right. side of the field and then stay step to step with certain guys. That G- route is Garrett built Wilson for the offense to oh, win. Absolutely. Yeah, yeah. absolutely. They line up in, in tight end trips and then they run yeah. number three over and if you got a guy like Tyreek Hilder, the Chiefs did that yep. repeatedly just over yep. and over again because you can't, you can't cover you can't it. Cover so, it. okay, so this isn't the same thing, but so would it be somewhat similar, though, on the 
Cook's touchdown where he had to come all the way across, you know, and Dak threw it up and he had kind of had a loft it like at same deal as what you're saying, like to have to carry it. Now you have to have a good protection yeah. from your offensive line to even hold that, but to have to kind go all the way that, across the that, field. That one kind of, but they had in the, in the red zone like that and you have to get through all the traffic. So okay, that, yeah, is, yeah. that is the bigger yeah, yeah. part. When they're running and then, then going vertical, mm-hmm. that is, that's a foot race. That's a yeah. real foot yeah. race. Uh, the traffic then helps uh, those guys when they do those shallow crosses. Yeah. But like I said, when you see Tyreek Hill run that deep over, if you see if you give it to C D Lamb or Brandon Cook's guys like that, then I think you'll see if somebody's in man, that deep uh safety, he either has to jump that uh that number three going across or it's open every time. Yep. yep. There's nothing you can do about it. Yeah. All right, one more question I wanted to get to before we end the show today. Uh right now Dallas is ranked twenty first in rush yards per carry at three point nine yards. What do you think is the biggest factor that needs to improve uh, to improve the rushing attack, the offensive line, the running backs, or the play calling? I, I, go ahead. I just think if the offensive line, if by some miraculous chance, since it doesn't happen, I'm saying it's miraculous, if you could keep that, that starting five together that's finally been together now for these last two games, I think it will gradually get better. The issue is is that seems like it's hoping for a lot with the way they've had so many injuries over the last couple of years there. And so if that happens and it just, well, you know, every week you don't know who's starting at right tackle or whatever, I think it's going to be tough to, to, to really get it going because it just it really hasn't been there. But I do think that those guys, those five, are talented enough that if they can keep working together, eventually something will click. It's not going to be, you know, like it was with DeMarco Murray or Zeke at the beginning of Zeke's career where they were leading the league, but good enough that it helps the rest of the offense if you can keep that five healthy. For me, it's, it's the play calling because whenever you look at when Kellen Moore and Zeke were here, um, it, it was Zeke was going to be that downhill physical guy uh, here in the last couple of years and then once Tony Pollard started to ascend you were like okay we can be creative in the run game we can we can throw in some 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 uh, hitches into this offense that we haven't been able to do before and that creativity has just been completely evaporated uh, in this offense and they're treating Pollard almost like Zeke like he's not a downhill guy and he can get you yards if you need him to get you yards but I want to see him on the outside I want to see counters I, I feel like we haven't run counter one time this year uh, I think two draws by my count so get him open in space and let him see some things uh, work and I think it, it also factors in with the receiving game as well. I know this is talking yes, about the running game specifically, but there's so many things that they could do in the receiving game with Pollard that they haven't been able to do. I was—I uh, think I mentioned it on, on Talking Cowboys yesterday. After that 60-yard reception on Monday night, I was kind of sad because I was like, we're not going to see that because that was improvisation and it was just Dak finding a guy that was open across the middle of the field. There's opportunities to do that with Pollard. I just feel like they're not being explored. Yeah, real quick before you go, Danny, just to that point, I think it was back after week three or week four, I found this stat that at that point in the season, the Cowboys had run Pollard between the tackles double the number of times they'd run him to the outside. Yeah. Speaking of how they're using him, I think that's yeah. really kind of the key is that they're using him as though he's, he's Zeke. And it does make me wonder, like we saw in that last game, he was in the open field. There was rarely a time I can remember in his career when he was even with the defensive guy and the guy caught him. <clears throat> and that guy went and got him uh, on that play. And he even talked about it after the game. He's like, I got to get back in the lab. I got to figure out how to turn that into a touchdown. But I do wonder if, if the way that they're playing him now has affected that yeah. to some degree. And he's not as explosive maybe or, or not having to show that explosiveness as much. And maybe that's affecting his level of explosiveness. Yeah, I mean, in an effort not to repeat what y'all said, <laughs> um, mine is, is those, but then also – then your lack of ability to stretch the field on offense. Mm-hmm. So I, I don't know if I want to call it play calling or, or 
inability to be able to connect on those deeper routes because we all know if you go into a game and the defense knows <laughs> that you can't stretch the field, they're just going to sit there and tempt you to do it, right? Hey, they, they'll be able to run cover two, right? If they can stop you while they're running cover two, then they're going to run that all day, mm-hmm. right? So you have to be able to then say, okay, they're in cover two. We're going to stretch these guys out, make them get creative on defense, and then hopefully that opens up more lanes uh, on uh, on the offensive line. But if not, if you're not able to then say, all right, that can beat us, then they're just going to figure out a way to stop you with the uh, whatever they have in the box. I think hopefully these Gallup plays, Brandon Cook's deep overs, maybe some some longer shots. I think hopefully that'll open it up a little bit. But I'm with y'all on creativity in the run game, especially with a guy like Pollard. Don't run him in there like Zeke. He's not yeah. that guy. He's he's a create like you can run counters, uh, some traps, some tosses outside uh, to to get him get him an open field and then fear, put fear in those defenders. Yeah, they by and large are not throwing to the deep middle of the field at all this year. Uh, it's only been a few times this year that they've done it. They even tried it. And last year, if you remember in the offense, they were doing that a ton. Uh, so when you're not challenging that part of defense to your point, then defenses at some point just start to say they're not going to throw there. We don't have to worry about it, and you just cover the other parts of the field, which makes it even harder to do what you want to do in those parts of the. San Fran ran cover two. <laughs> yeah. They ran cover two, and we didn't. And we the did not. Game. We did the not. Game. We did not take advantage of them running cover two, <laughs> and they were stopping the run with cover two. Yeah. <laughs> you know, so in, until you're able to figure that out, then yeah, you got an issue. But you should be able to complete some passes in cover two. All right, appreciate you joining us. We'll be back on Monday. We got lots more questions. I'm going to throw at these guys. Till then, for Nick Harris, John Mishota. Danny McCray, I'm Derek Eagleton. This has been The Break, live on DallasCowboys.com radio. This has been a production of DallasCowboys.com and the Dallas Cowboys Football Club. How about this, Cowboys? Yeah!